0: Welcome, welcome. Um, man, I hope you'll be able to bear with me here. I got a bit of a, I don't mean, know you can hear the sinus congestion going on. Um, it's a product of the quickly changing weather. Uh, man, we've been all over the place this week. I think it was just like, what, Friday, Saturday. I was outside running around with the kids, shorts on outside, having a good old time, getting a little sweaty even. And uh, fast forward to Monday and Tuesday, and it's been a bone chiller. Got those heaters running and all that stuff, wearing, wearing heavy layers and wool socks and all that stuff. But when the weather changes like that, usually my... My uh, my voice and my throat and nose gets a little bit affected. I'm sure many of you feel the same thing, and actually, things are going up. Uh, thankfully, we're going to get a little bit more nice weather here at the end of the week, so it'll only get worse from here a little bit, I hope. Uh, well, I hope the weather goes up. I hope it doesn't get worse. So, yeah. <coughs> so, um, But I'm not here to be a meteorologist. I'm here to talk. Talk about the Bible, which I like to do, love to do. Um, And I want to talk about a topic that I I have never preached on. I've never taught on explicitly with the exception of just mentioning it a little bit last week as we plotted our way through Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm going to have to take a drink. Okay. Okay. Told you you got to bear with me here. Nehemiah chapter four sort of exposed this um, even this week. Yesterday, actually, our um, our Feast to Flourish chapter a day Bible reading plan took us into Psalm 94, which is also in the same vein. And that is the vein of the imprecatory prayers or the imprecatory Psalms. Um, these are the kind of psalms or prayers that you you read them and you scratch your head and you wonder, uh, is this guy allowed to say that? Right? Because what are they doing? They're asking asking for God to issue judgment. Psalm ninety four. Uh, he he the psalmist calls. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth, right? He's calling God to avenge his name. Rise up, O judge of the earth, repay the pr- proud for what they deserve. And how, how long will the wicked be wicked, basically? So he keeps going on and talking about that. And Nehemiah had, had a similar thing as he's got the uh, the adversaries to, the, to his rebuilding project come up. Um, and 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 he's saying, listen, uh, God, would you would you sort of m- make the tables turn? Would they go into exile? Would somebody come through and plunder their house? Uh, would their sins not be blotted out? Would they have to deal with with those things? And so you see a little bit of that. What what at at first glance looks kind of feisty, um, and and you just sort of get get just wondering, right? That like that prayer. That prayer has to be off limits now, because after all, we're, we're told to, uh, Jesus told us to love our enemies and, and pray for those who persecute us. And, and we think, well, certainly he, he wasn't talking about that kind of prayer, right? He's, he's thinking more like these, this sort of like um, pray for forgiveness and pray for forbearance and all those things, which I, I do think that is certainly true, that the Lord uh, wants us to ask him for those things, that steadfastness that he himself embodies towards us. So that, that is true. But I also think that, uh, that these prayers are part of the vocabulary uh, that God gives us, which he gives the, us to them. in, uh, He gives them to us in his word uh, to pray. And I think specifically for those who persecute us, for the enemies of God, for those who are hostile towards God and his people um, and his purposes. Um, but I think we need to maybe clear up uh, some confusion a little bit because you know there is that tension. There's that tightrope of well, when's the right time to pray this, or am I out of bounds for praying this? And and I think you can be out of bounds for praying uh, a psalm like this, depending on where your heart's at and, and what what's motivating you uh, to pray like that. But I think that there are also going to be times where that is very much in bounds, where where the Lord has given us these prayers for moments uh, that we find ourselves in, and so we we ought to to be working to um, to understand that to get our minds and hearts around these prayers a little bit so that we know how to pray them uh, as the way God intended them uh, to be prayed. And so um, what I want to do is, is sort of clear clear up the air a little bit and say, hey, here's here's what this is and here's what this isn't, and and start by saying this is what it's not. So when we come to imprecatory prayers, um, the, these prayers that, that are, are asking for God to avenge his name or to punish the evildoers, what, what we're not doing here is praying to God to settle a personal score, right? Um, I'm not praying to God that he would strike down my neighbor for gloating over me when when his badminton team beats mine um I- uh, I'm not praying to God for uh, him to to punish uh, somebody who made fun of my hairstyle it's I'm not looking to settle a personal score um, this has to do more with God his glory his name what he deems good and beautiful and true and it has less to do about me uh, than it has to do with God his name his glory which is what we see with Nehemiah he's he's not taking that that whole thing personal um, he, he's acknowledging the fact that that these adversaries are opposing God they're angering God God in the midst of the builders is what he says. Uh, and so it's not to, to, to settle a personal score. It's not about being uh, petty, right? Not not out of spite that we pray these things just because we're agitated or, or a little feisty emotionally. We're not letting our, our anger to run amok, right? We're, we're not supposed to let our sun, the sun go down uh, on our anger. And nor are we trying to hype God up uh, to act like us, right? You know, may, maybe you got that... You got that inner hood rat sort of like fight or flight te- te- uh, tendencies where you just want to fight all the time uh, and but you, but you're not much of a fighter you, you uh, you've, you've learned the hard way not to go at somebody like that and so you're trying to hype God up to do uh, what you're too afraid to do that's not it either uh, rather we're we aren't so we're not trying to hype God up to get him to do something uh, that we would do but we're too afraid of we're, we're' we're asking God to act in accordance within his own character and his promises because God promises to punish the evildoer, God deals with His people uh, in, in series of blessings and curses—blessing the righteous, cursing the wicked—and so we see that that sort of that cadence repeated throughout the scriptures. And so we're asking God to act within His His culture specifically uh, to, to uphold His justice, to be a just God. And so that that's really the heart of these prayers of what we're asking for, um, and it stems from a. Um, it stems from a an understanding and acknowledgement of the reality of the world that we occupy. So when we look at the world, not everything not, is not rainbows and daisies and kittens. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of wickedness plaguing this world. Uh, and, it, and it's not... Um, it's not satisfied with how much room it has. It's not satisfied with, with where its borders are currently drawn. It wants to expand and go deeper and deeper and further and further into the world and push back against uh, the light. And so um, we see the darkness pushing up. We see evil pushing against goodness. Um, and, and so when we see that, there, there's, I mean, that can invoke all kinds of things, sadness and anger and, and, and things like that, things that are like true biblical uh, emotions that that God has watched. Us to feel and to do do certain things with. But really, when you get buried down to it, um, at at the bottom of this, all of this is a form of lament. Like when we're praying these prayers, we're we're praying, things have gotten so bad. Things things are far beyond our ability to rectify what is wrong that that we need God to come and and set things right. And so what we're doing here in these imprecatory prayers is we're appealing to a higher authority than ourselves. And a lot of times these prayers come from like, we're the little guys in the scenario we're, we're the we're the Davids in this scenario in the sense that we're, we're outmatched uh, we're, we're uh, overgunned we don't have the right resources we're we're outmuscled that's kind of where we're at and so we can't actually do anything about our current scenario we can't get the adversary to shut up we can't get them to stop badgering us and do all of this stuff that that obviously uh, goes against what God has communicated what he's for and so we're asking for God to rise up this higher authority to come and do something uh, that we can cannot do in ourselves. And that thing is specifically to uphold goodness and beauty and truth, right? Uphold those things that God approves of. And we're by, and we, we ask him to do that by pushing against that, which threatens those things. We're praying for goodness to prevail. And and so like in this sense, uh, we we can pray for goodness to come to our neighbors in the sense that we want, um, uh, a state of goodness to ha- to to be brought about by um, by promoting that which is good, and also um, goodness to be promoted by condemning that which is evil. Right. This is kind of the, what what civil government is about. That's sort of the role of civil civil government. As scripture speaks of of what the role, what the the structure, the scope of this authority is for. It's to punish the evildoer. Well, there are times where uh, the government, the the system that's set up to punish the evildoer, breaks down, or or maybe the jurisdiction doesn't go. In the case of Nehemiah, he doesn't have the jurisdiction to go and, and punish Sanballat and Tobiah and all those other guys that are, are mobbing around. Uh, it's beyond his scope of jurisdiction. And so we're asking God uh, to do that, to to, to God to, to rise up to his throne, to judge justly, to punish evil and wickedness, and doing so to promote that which is good or to allow for that which is good to flourish. Uh, and so in this, what we're asking for in these Psalms isn't just to, to give our, our enemy a black eye, um, like that. That's kind of secondary to what's going on. We're asking God to promote that's that which is good, to set right uh, that which is is wrong in the world. And uh, when when we have our hearts and our minds checked on about what what this prayer is, um, what it's about, what when an appropriate time to pray this is, um, the, these these prayers are actually um, a a great resource for the church. These psalms are not wasted. We don't just skim over them. Because they sound angry, there's actually a place and a time uh, to utilize these prayers and to ask ask that God would come and judge justly. Um, and actually, we, what you probably don't realize is that we pray for this uh, way more often than you realize. Like, for example, uh, at the end of the Book of Revelation, you uh, where he he leaves us with this final little um, this saying. He says, "Come quickly, Lord Jesus." And and that's a, a a line that's sort of been injected in a bunch of different prayers. In fact, the prayer that that I grew up praying at the dinner table was, "Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed." Amen. Just a little short ditty that every every night we'd pray that together as a family. Um, but we're, what are we doing? We're praying for for the Lord Jesus to come, and not just not just in the sense that we want Him to come and be present at our table, um, be present at our table, Lord. Not that, well um, that is part of it. But also in the sense of, of revelation that. We We want Jesus to come. We want Jesus to come and bring with him the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus does that, uh, he comes not just to exalt the righteous, uh, but to, to condemn and to, to judge the, the wicked. And so we, we, um, as Christians, that's a prayer that that's loaded up in our prayer arsenal that we ought to be praying, that Jesus would come, that justice would prevail, that would roll uh, like a river. Uh, in fact, that's something that we're encouraged to pray for uh, often, even in the New Testament. I, I was um, reading Second Thessalonians 1, and, and actually the first section after he gives thanks to um, he he talks about this in second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5 he says this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God and so here going back to to God's judgment being a righteous thing not a not a knee-jerk thing not a personal spite thing not not, not anything that's twisted but it's a righteous judgment that God says this is evidence of the righteousness of righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. So here here he says it's it's a just thing for God to repay the evildoer with the evil that he's he's doing. Now one of the ways that God does this is is by commanding his people to love the enemy, so that uh, by by doing good works unto the enemy. And we're told the apostle Paul Says that uh, in doing good to our enemy, it's like heaping burning coals upon their head. It's adding, adding to their judgment. And so, the more we do good, and the more that good is returned with evil, the more judgment is going to come their way. Now, we're not trying to heap up a, a giant laundry list of of things that uh, that'll, that'll create problems for people, but but we are. That is one of the ways that we're called to to love our neighbor, and and in turn, loving our neighbor might, if if their heart remains hard, it might lead to a, a more severe kind of judgment or. Swift judgment, um, happening as as it's said that it is just God considers it just to pay, repay with affliction those who afflict you. In verse seven, He says, "And to grant relief to you who are afflicted." So, in, in one of these things, what we're praying for is not just for our enemy to be to be punished, right? For wickedness to be stopped and dealt with and restrained, but we're asking God to relieve us that that in our affliction that we might catch a break. That God would be gracious to give us uh, a breath of fresh air, the Ability to kind of stand back up to, <clears throat> to shake off the punches a little bit. And keep plodding on in, in faithfulness. And so he says, Hey, we, we pray this uh, to grant relief to you who are afflicted, as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed to this end. We always pray for you that God may be, make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good work for good and every work of faith by his power. So that in the name of our Lord Jesus you may be glorified that Jesus may be glorified in you and you and him according to the grace of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ so here even in the New Testament the Apostle Paul uh bringing us into these these imprecatory prayers saying hey it, it is a just thing for God to repay evil uh with 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 affliction uh, as we incur affliction uh, on the basis of of uh, uh bearing the name of Christ now he also he also tells us listen it's one thing to to bear affliction for being being foolish and doing things according to the ways of the world, right? according to the way of the flesh. That, that's not why uh, Christians should not be suffering on that account. Rather, we should be suffering for doing good, and in that way, God will repay um, the evil, what they deserve. Um, and so we see that there, that, that that's part of, of the prayers of the Old Testament, of the New Testament, is a fitting thing for Christians to to pray um, in this manner. Um, but one of the things that we need to see is that, that in every section of the Psalter, so whenever you see the imprecatory Psalms or even in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, where Nehemiah's praying this sort of imprecatory prayer that God would judge. The, typically what you see preceding that, at least maybe not in every Psalm, but in every section of the Psalter, um, you see preceding these imprecatory prayers, there's a request for the ungodly to repent or even an invitation for the ungodly to repent and turn to God. Now, in the case of, of Ezra in the beginning there, um, where, where the outsiders wanted to come help with the temple, well, they want to help with the temple, but they wanted to do it on their own terms. They wanted to set up a temple that was more syncretist, that was the worshiping their pagan gods that they've adopted as well as a little bit dabbling here in the God of Israel. Well, and the Jews, they said, uh, uh, Zerubbabel said, hey, you, you've got no part with us in this. This is this is our task. We are worshiping our God, not yours. And, and so the invitation there implied is that if you were to turn from your idols and, and come and worship our God alone, which is what God commands, you have no other gods before me, um, then you would be welcome, right? Um, then be welcome to share in this work with us. But But as long as there's this this hybrid of of um, uh, Yahweh worship and and pagan pagan worship that they were doing in Samaria and, and the other uh, outer line areas the other other nations of of that area. Um, there's no no part in that. There's no part in that. And so um, in front of all these imprecatory p- psalms in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, right even before Nehemiah prays that stuff, um, there's been this this one thing that's in front of saying we pray, uh, we are asking for God to show these people his mercy. Uh, cause, cause ultimately that's, that's what we want. God is making his appeal through us, um, as, as ambassadors for Christ that we want to point to, uh, the, the grace and the mercy uh, of God that, that, um, that we have received. Um, in fact, we didn't receive it because we were more worthy than other people. Um, we were just as wicked. Our hearts were bent, um, towards hostility towards God. We were aliens. We were, we were, people who are floundering in sin, but God's grace and mercy has sought us out in the same way we pray that God would seek and save the lost, uh, those elect that are his, that are have yet not have not yet come into the covenant family, that God would show his grace and mercy so people can see and taste uh, what God has to offer and that they would be straightened out just as how God has straightened our hearts and minds out through the gospel. And so when, when we're praying through these imprecatory Psalms, I, th- I think there's really just three things to keep in mind. Um, before you go to praying for judgment, let's pray for redemption, right? Pray that, that, um, that, that Jesus would pay for the sins of evildoers in the same way that he paid for ours um, that that every every sin every fiber of wickedness would be placed upon Jesus condemned right there on the cross sin was condemned uh, at, at the cross that, that that would be the case and at that place that's where where God poured out his his the bowl of wrath upon Jesus so that we who have faith in Christ wouldn't have to taste the cup of God's wrath and so we want to pray for their redemption that they would be saved in the same way that we are saved Saved. And in that we could have reconciliation, and we could we could praise God for His redeeming grace and His mercy and, and restoration as He brings uh, those who are alienated from one another. As He talks about the Jews and the Gentiles and Ephesians, um, those who are alienated and hostile towards one another, now being reconciled by the blood of Christ. So we want to pray for redemption. Number two, as we pray for our enemy, we we want to pray that God, uh, before we jump to the imprecatory prayers, um, we want to pray that that God would correct the evil ways. So so it, more of a disciplinary thing, that God would, in common grace, um, correct whether or not this person comes to a saving faith, believe that God, God has the ability to, to convey a common grace that restrains evil and wickedness from infringing upon uh, the mission of church, from slandering God's name and his people. So we're going to pray that maybe that God restrains that evil, and then uh, we get to the imprecatory prayer where God would issue his just judgment, that, that those who reject God, those who don't know God, right? Those who have heard the gospel and refused to submit to Jesus, that they would actually have to deal with their sins. Like like what Nehemiah prays, that that the sin will be dealt with and it's not Jesus who takes it, it's them who has to take it. They have to bear their sin. Now, obviously, as people who have been transformed by grace, that that shouldn't be our first inclination, right? We we should want the the grace that Jesus has shown us to ooze out of us and see that move out. But at a certain point, you see this hostility uh, towards God, you see this relentless uh, just Agitation, this this opposition come, and and then at that point there there is a sense where it is fitting, right? Where where the world is is waging in raging in its ways that the nations are raging against God, and and their invitation is either to kiss the sun or or they will be judged, right? They they either kiss Psalm two, kiss the sun uh, lest you perish, or or you don't you don't submit to Jesus, you don't allow Him to to cleanse you of your sins, and then you have to deal with it and you face the wrath of God uh, for yourself. So hopefully just going over those things, that that helps you see that there is a place in in Christian vernacular, there is a place in the Christian life for these imprecatory prayers and psalms that, that God has given them to the church um, to be a tool for us and that, that our affections that our desires would line up with God's, that, that we would want what is good and beautiful and true and anything that threatens that, anything that runs opposed to that, that we would ask God to restrain and to punish uh, for the sake of his glory and for the good of his people. And so, uh, I'm hoping that gives you a little bit of insight. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of questions that maybe you got. Like w- w- tell me about this specific scenario. is this Is this a good time? You know, hit me up with those questions. Uh, I'd love to help think through those things uh, with you, but but I at least wanted to to give that to you as we're we're reading through Nehemiah, uh, as we've seen some of these in the Psalms pop up and even uh, that passage in in second Thessalonians, uh, which is I think it's either coming up this week or it has been recent history in our feast to flourish. Bible reading plans. Like, how do you make sense of those? And so hopefully now you've got your mind a little bit more around the imprecatory Psalms and precatory prayers, and you know how best to use them. So, uh, with that, I'm going to sign off. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Stay, stay warm while it's cold. And I will see you on Sunday as we gather for covenant renewal together.